Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're going to have these beers right meow. I'm Mike. <laughs> I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. We're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading Kafka on the Shore by Haruki Murakami. And starting with a beer, that's perfect for this time. This is a, an IPA from Finback called Cats Are Forever, and it is a double, uh, double India Pale Ale. That's 9% alcohol, oh boy. Dry hopped with Citra Nelson and 007 brooding collaboration with Tripping Animals, which also works uh, because you this book feels like you're tripping. Yeah. I saw a review that said this book is like textual LSD. It was much more um, gradual. Like, it, it didn't feel like I just entered another dimension. It was like, on the journey, like, all right, this is what's happening now. I guess that's the next logical thing is Colonel Sanders shows up. Why not? And he's a pimp. Sure, yeah. Fucked his mom. Well, whatever. I mean, that part is accurate, Nate. Sorry. That man pimped a lot of chickens in his know. day. <laughs> a lot of chicks. A lot of, a lot of chicks. Well, Kafka on the Shore book has some cat stuff we'll get to later. The beer, wonderful double IPA from Finback. Shouldn't be surprised that it's very good. 007, I don't really know what that hop is about, but citrusy, get citrusy flavors. Nelson, you tend to get more, I don't know, almost grape flavors, I find. Would you say um, you don't doctor know what it's about? Fucking don't like you. <laughs> just gonna move on. Yeah. Move on to this. We need about six hours to under, to even just explain what happened in the book. It takes longer than reading it. I have read it twice, and I understand it just about as much as the first time, which is to say, not very much. Uh, I don't understand it at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I have to admit, I did not read the last four chapters, but I read what they're about. And I said, well, I don't. It doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah. matter at all. Yeah, you got the I'll same read them experience. later. Here we are. Kafka on the shore starts with our main character talking to the what is it? The boy who's a crow or something like that. Is he called a boy? It? A boy called Crow. A boy called Crow, which is a, a which is the second album by the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> their first, well, not their first one. Their big album was a boy named Goo. So is it really? Goo, yeah, that's not their first album. They had some that's earlier shit that no one was terrible. Listened. It had name. That was a great song. It came out when Nate was uh, 43 or so. He's played it at his, his daughter's bar mitzvah. It's <laughs> <laughs> not true. I was in middle school, though, I believe. Kafka on the Shore, it, there are like two sort of separate storylines, and they literally alter, alternate chapter by chapter. The, even, the odd number of chapters, so starting chapter one, it's about the 15-year-old boy named Kafka even though he's got this alter ego called Crow, which only comes up like twice in, uh, in the book, so it's really not in there very much. But And then the even number chapters are about this crazy old guy who is illiterate but can talk to cats, and then way more weird stuff happens. So, But we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, so first, main sort of... What, you, what is still really the main character is Kafka, who is 15, he hates his father... He's trying in, like, very first chapter of the book, he decides he's going to run away. He lives in Tokyo, and he's just going to run away. He, like, plans some stuff out, brings his Walkman, and then money for a bus ticket, and head gets on the bus to southern Japan, right? They went south. Or did they go north? Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like southwest to, I think it was, like, Shikoko or something? Shikoku? Something like that. He goes, he goes to basically, like, the smallest island of the big islands of Japan. Shikoku? Yeah. After they left Tokyo, I had 
absolutely no concept of where they were at any point. <laughs> I looked I at a map. I should have looked at a map. <laughs> I, I should have. But anyway, so they, ju- and she's like on the bus and he's, but uh, apparently he's tall and muscular for his age. So he thinks he can pass for maybe 18. So people won't realize maybe right away that he's supposed to be in school and stuff like that. But anyway, he meets somebody. So first he's just kind of alone. And then they like, uh, at a rest stop somewhere or yeah. I forget exactly where this girl who's also been on the bus said, Oh, can I sit with you? This is weird. Anyway, her name is Sakura or Sakura. One of those. We'll never get it right. We'll just guess. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> And she's a little bit older. She's an older woman of 21. Mm, ancient. Yes, ancient. So that uh, number is important. And she sits there, and he's, uh, and for like the second half of the journey, they talk a little bit, but then she just kind of goes to sleep on his shoulder, and he gets a massive erection because he's really. <laughs> <laughs> this and that's is the author's words, is, not Nate's. Yeah, no, there's actually quite a lot of. There's a. a, a there's some explicit sex in this. Yeah. I've never heard the phrase rock hard cock so often in like not in porn. And they don't even say it then, but they say it here often. You don't even hear it in fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. No, she can't say the C word. It's hard sex. <laughs> At the end of the bus ride, he gets her number, which he's going to need later. Thanks. And then somehow... Gets off the butt, no, finds a hotel, a cheap hotel, but then he's on in this like area that sounds ca- pretty rural, sort of, I guess, and ends up at this library. Are you with me still? <laughs> this is still <laughs> only like chapter, this is one, three, maybe we're up to chapter five, where he like makes it to the library. He's in, um, what the hell is it called? The Kagagawa Prefecture. Oh, right, of course. Oh. Yeah, that one. <laughs> I'm using my. High school and college Japanese that <laughs> dwindles in my memory. Uh, I think he's in Takamatsu is the uh, city he goes to. That sounds which right. matters. Fuck all. No, it doesn't. No. So he's at yeah. this library, which isn't a normal big public library. It's a small sort of privately run library, and he just kind of shows up and is like, "Hey, can I sit here and read?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." We specialize in this some sort of like. Japanese poetry that I knew absolutely nothing about, so and wasn't really important to the plot. And he just he just sits there, sits there and reads for like days. Uh, it's Tonka, which is um, the trucks. Yeah, Tonka. Yeah, the, the truck. <laughs> it's, every poem is about trucks and like <laughs> dumping dirt and gravel. Uh, it's 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 like a haiku but longer. I mean, a haiku is what five seven five, right? So it's seventeen syllables. This is thirty one, I think mm. thirty three, something like that. But it's also like. This, I think, I forget if it's five lines or something, but it's a certain number of lines per, syllables per line. Japanese are really into that sort of thing for some reason. That and jerking off into squids. Well, I mean, they go hand in hand. Well, you need your hand to do it. Hand yes. and tentacle. So, first sort of small chunk of Kafka is he basically, he just goes to this library. And there's like no, never anybody there. He's there pretty much on his own, just sitting and reading for a couple of days. There's a passage where another couple goes on a tour of the library. He goes on a tour the first day. It happens to be today. It doesn't really matter at all. Those people, and he's like, and he looks like he writes poems. It's like, do I need to remember this? No, I don't. But it introduces Miss uh, Saeki, the uh, 
keeper of the there. library. Library. What do we call a librarian, perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> in these exotic terms? <laughs> I mean, in this book, it, it, I don't fucking know. You never know. So, meanwhile, while that's happening, in between those chapters is first the chapters about the old guy. Though he's not old in the beginning. Anyway, his name is Nakata. They, that's his last name. But anyway, so the first thing, and this is chapter two. No, no, his, uh, it's Japanese, it's, so it's backwards. That's his first name. That is his first name. Ah, okay. okay. So, did they swap that for the American? No, they they left though? they left him in the um. Okay. Except that they changed Kafka's around for some reason, probably because I don't know. But uh, his name is everyone else's name is like uh, still for family name first, their name second. At least in the version I had, which I don't know if there's many, multiple versions. I doubt it. Like Prime Minister Abe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he meets his... Oh, well, you don't meet the old guy yet. First, you have this, like, declassified military thing. First, it's like the first two or three, two or three, even number chapters are written as military, classified military reports. But the first one is like 19... It's either 1944 or 1945 out in the countryside. It's this teacher who's taken her students outside to... uh to get mushrooms. And they're like middle schoolers, I guess. I don't know. They're 9, 10, 11 years old. I don't know. Just to like take some... We're just going to walk over here and kids can go in the forest and harvest mushrooms, which... Wow, holy shit. <laughs> That's dumb. But anyway, because <laughs> mushrooms are poisonous. It was the war, man. Even, it, it was the war, but stuff. it's like even, even mushroom experts sometimes get it wrong and eat the poisonous ones. So it's really difficult. And they're just going to go have children go pick the anyway. So, but that's not an important well, detail. Perhaps I think the, the, the lady teacher does explain like, well, I've been do, you know, doing it for a long, you know, you know, the ones that you, you could eat because you live here and it's like, you're supposed to be like a, a simpler time. We're not really supposed to dwell on this. No, that's, this is not important, but basically, uh, she, their kids are just kind of like, Oh, go, kids, go forage in the forest. And a weird thing is flying through the sky, which they think is an American B-29 or something like that. But they're not really sure. It's just kind of like silver. And then, and then within minutes, all the kids are like passed out unconscious. The teacher, she seems to be fine. But all the kids are like totally just passed out. Zonked. Zonked. But their eyes are open. They're not, it's not like they're sleeping. Their eyes are open and they're looking at something. Oh, yeah. Their eyes are moving. It's like they're watching something. But anyway, within... So she, like, runs and she gets somebody from the town and runs back. And the kids are there. They're just kind of... Some of them are just kind of waking up, but not all of them. And then eventually, all of them wake up. They have no memories at all. Except for one kid who never actually... So he, he's, he, for, he doesn't wake up for weeks. And when he does wake up, which is weeks later in a military hospital in Tokyo, he cannot read anymore. He's a of diminished intelligence. Let's, what, let's and he had been say. a really bright kid yeah. prior. And he never learns to read for the rest of his life. He can't. But then you find out later... He's traded this for a precious gift. For a precious gift <laughs> called being able to talk with cats. Literally hold conversations with cats. Guy knows his pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't. No, no, because no, he <laughs> says he has no sexual desires of any kind. Most of the rest of the book, it's sort of like nineteen late nineteen nineties to 
Japan or 2002 or Japan or something like that. It's more like present day, present day being when the book was written. And he's now 70 years old, 80 years old. Yeah. So he's old. And for his whole life, his only job, I mean, he's get sort of like some money from the government so he can live, but his only job is finding people's lost cats. He gets a sub city, like harder words. He doesn't know what they are. So he kind of breaks them down into yeah. like, so subsidy, uh, you know, like a payment from the government for something. He calls a sub, like as an un- submarine, space city, like, you know, New York, because he has no idea what the hell it is. He's that much of a simpleton. He is, yes. They explain later that he had worked for like 30 years as a furniture maker because mm-hmm. he could just like make things and he never complained and he just didn't want anything. He's like, I just like to make chairs. And, you know, he did that and then he lost all his money in a shitty investment scheme. So now he's on on the dole and finding cats in his old age. And then on one day when he's like looking for a particular lost cat, the other cats are telling him, oh, someone was here and they took that cat. They, they catnapped them uh, <laughs> and took them away somewhere. <laughs> took them away somewhere, but you, you got to find this weird tall guy. That's, that, that's, that's where you got to find this person. And he does. And this weird guy, I, I forget exactly what he did to find him. Or maybe one of the cats told him, the yeah, he's over there. Him there. A dog. He's like, he goes to, um, oh, yeah, yeah. he finds out like the cat was last seen by other cats, of course. Except, I also like that he meets a dumb cat. Yeah. <laughs> There's a cat that he, he's like, that cat's stupid. That cat was in an accident. That cat <laughs> was dropped on its head as a baby. <laughs> but he, he, they say that, oh, that cat was seen at this construction site. And there's a strange man with a top hat. And in my head, I was picturing Abraham Lincoln, but it's not. It turns out to be even more ridiculous. Than that. <laughs> even more ridiculous. So he finally finds him. But, but then he gets there, and they, another cat's like, dude, you don't want any part of this. <laughs> it's like, like a conspiracy movie where the person's like, this is bigger than you think. <laughs> you need to leave. And then a big dog comes, and it's like, follow me. And he's like, I, don't, I only speak to cats, but <laughs> sure, why not? Like, he literally thinks, he's like, I don't know how to speak dog. Like, let's, let's be that reasonable. That would be absurd. And then it leads him to some house, and he's like, I don't even know what city I'm in anymore. <laughs> and he goes into the house, and then he meets not the man in the yellow jacket, the yellow hat from Curious George, but that man in the uh, black hat who is, I, I'm still reeling from this. <laughs> whose name is Johnny Walker. <laughs> Literally named after the whiskey. His name is Johnny Walker. And it still gets weirder after that, but I have a beer for this. Well, the first thing the guy does, he's like, you don't know who I am? And then he does like the Johnny Walker little like pose. <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't know what that is. Like, you don't drink whiskey, huh? And he's, he has a little... The you don't get it? But like, the hat and the cane. <laughs> he's like, dude, I'm really into cosplay. This is called For the Story by Icarus <laughs> Brewing. Because it's like so weird. It's like he just made him Johnny Walker for the story. Yeah. This is a uh, eight 8.2% Imperial IPA. Who makes it again? This is Icarus Brewing. Uh, you know, I'm not even one? sure, considering how long ago I got this, I'm not sure they're still in business. So, <laughs> <laughs> This is our first one from them. They might have flown too close to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> they may have, yes. Uh, hmm. According to... They, 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 this uh, is pretty good. Google them. They are in New Jersey. 
Oh, God damn it. On their website, it's in Comic Sans. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, this says heavily oated, oated Northeast double IPA, copiously dry hopped with lupulin citra, Columbus, mosaic, and lupulin laurel for the risk taker in all of us. Lupulin is um, like the chemical in hops that you want to taste, like uh. the flavor. Hmm. It's like the oils is probably what they mean. Like you could just buy hop oil, hop acids. I remember uh, getting this when I was at a place and I was the person I was talking to. We were literally talking about, about like, is everything going to close because of this virus? <laughs> <laughs> so, and it was not too much longer after that, that everything really did close because of the virus. Hopefully they stay in business. Anyway, I'm pretty sure they were pretty new because I'd never heard of them before. So... You have to wonder if those brand new breweries that opened just a little bit before, you know, March, were really going to make it. Well, in New York, at least, and I think a lot of states, they were allowed to, and as of the time of recording this, still are allowed to ship directly to people's houses. So a lot of breweries yeah. did that. And they were they were deemed an essential business because they fucking are. And they <laughs> um, could sell to go. So they could sell to go stuff. And then a lot of them started also selling uh, shipping, either like doing their own shipping which mm-hmm. is good if you live close to the brewery where they'll actually drive by your house or shipping via you know, UPS or something like that. I've explored a lot of these options in New York State <laughs> the past several months. It's glorious. I don't think they can go... I just can't imagine that can go back. Like, how can they take that away? That would be... What will we do? Have to we, go directly to a store to buy beer? Is, I go to... I, before things were crazy, I'd go to a brewery almost every week, but... You know, well, like the three that are near me, but I don't, I don't know when I'll feel comfortable to go do that again. I like the convenience of just having it arrive <laughs> in my house. That's true. <laughs> but it also means as I've gotten to try beer from breweries that are not even close to me that I would not be able to get otherwise. You know, even though they're a couple hours away, it's still in the same state, and they just ship it, and it's like for twenty bucks, we'll ship you all the beer you could buy. I'm like, all right, that's challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm running out of fridges, and man, you have a lot of beer. <laughs> it's it's obscene. It's like it's like a it's like end of days bunker, but you pour very poorly planned or planned really well. One of those two. It's like uh, in, in one in one fridge in the basement is just the beers that I want to drink. Then there's another section where it's the beers I have to save for us on the podcast. And then another part, it's the beers I don't want to drink, but I had to buy a four-pack of or some, for some reason. I'm like, hey, this sucks. I'll just put the other three over here for now for hard times. But speaking of hard times, we should say that this beer and many other ones are brought to us by our friends over at Patreon who are, who are clearly flush because they're giving us money to do this. <laughs> if you head on to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub... You could become a patron and therefore a cooler and more supreme human being. Get all sorts of sweet perks, like early access to our episodes, voting in our monthly book poll, get your name shouted out like the illustrious Ben, um, <laughs> and even get physical swag. I just recently mailed out a whole bunch of stickers to people because, you know, why not? And there's also our read-along exclusive content. Right now, I guess that when this comes out, we're still doing Don Quixote. And if you join our highest tier, we'll actually send you a copy of the book. And if you stick around there, we'll send you an official, totally custom-made Drunk Guys Book Club pint glass for you to drink along at home, just not while driving or operating heavy machinery. Because you could break what, it. What do you or have well to pregnant. lose? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is America. You do what you want. 
back to the book, we're only about 11% into the book. Yeah, where's, there's still so much. much. So let's just say this is where the book went from like pretty weird to ultra weird because not only is it Johnny Walker, but he hunts down cats to <laughs> steal their souls and put their souls into a flute. And his plan is... It's the pussy whistle. To hunt down a... (laughs) (laughs) His plan is to hunt down a lot of cats and then combine all his small flutes into a big flute that can, like, end the world or something like that. It, It is... Piss off every dog. <laughs> <laughs> he gets he gets the souls by violently cutting open the cats, eating their hearts like a my friend once described a chicken heart as a meat grape, and wow, and then cutting off their point. heads to leave in his freezer. Maybe he just really likes old. He hates old ladies. He <laughs> so does he take all their cats. But he brings. He says he's brought Nakata here because he's like, hey, I need you to do something. He's like, what do you want me to do? He's like. I need you to kill me. He's like, I don't really want to do that. Like, well, I'm just going to keep cutting off cat heads until you kill me. He's like, that's, that's kind of fucked up, dude. He's like, well, uh, that's, that's what's going on, so we'll deal with it. Either way, this is going to happen. And so he just keeps cutting off cat heads and eating their hearts, and Nakata eventually just goes like, I guess i got to kill him. And he stabs him, and he's like, great, thanks, and he dies. Maybe. So <laughs> one thing that I noticed reading this as a former Japanese student nerd Kafka keeps reading uh, the novels of Soseki in the library. And one of Soseki's most famous books is called, in English, I Am a Cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. And it's, I've never read it because it's probably a fucking weird, stupid book. But it's like from the perspective of a house cat who thinks of himself as like nobility. (laughs) So he uses the most honorific Japanese language for himself. As if he's the emperor. That's it's, it's a sort of detail that doesn't matter much, but you know is not there on accident. No, nothing is in here by accident. Even though it seems like it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, there were times when I'd start another chapter and like, wait, did I skip a chapter? <laughs> something not... What, what happened? Did I switch books? Am I high? <laughs> so that's just a thing I noticed. So eventually he kills, what is it, like three or four cats, and then Nakata finally kills him. Yeah, so he can, mm-hmm. because he's about to kill the cat that he's been sent to find. And he's like, I got to save this cat. The other cat's uh, whatever. Fuck him. But he saves the one cat he's been looking for to bring back to his house, to the, the cat's house. Back at, the, back at Kafka at the library. Sounds like an episode of Clue. Uh, at <laughs> Kafka at the library, he... With the, with the rope. Yeah, exactly. He wakes up in the middle of the night. Except he's not at home. He's out in the park or forest somewhere. And the front of his shirt is covered with blood. And he's like, but he does not remember what happened. He doesn't remember trying to get... He, he's like left. He was at the library reading all day. And then he left, I guess. And then he somehow like lost consciousness and then woke up. And he's like covered in blood. He's like, oh, what, what just happened? Did I just hurt someone? Are the police just, are the police looking for me now? Did I do something? And apparently at school, he had sometimes flown into a rage and hurt people, but not that bad. So he doesn't know what to do. He calls Sakura, Sakura, Sakura on the phone 
It's like the middle of the night. It's like, you know, midnight. It's like 1 a.m., something like that. He's like, hi, I need help. Can I come to your place? So he does. She says, she says yes. Um, she, like, takes care of him, helps him wash his clothes. Meanwhile, he's, like, covered in blood. On his denim shirt. Yeah. So, and then she's, like, very nice to him, and they, like... She's very nice to him. Very nice to him. <laughs> She's about to be very nice to him. She he he lets her, uh, she lets him stay there for the night, and they're like, okay, now that it's like four a.m., we should probably like try and get some sleep, but they don't. Instead, she gives him a hand job. <laughs> She's like, you can come cuddle in the bed, but I'm not gonna fuck you. And then like. 11 seconds later, he's like, I have just a hand job. And he's like, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was like, do you ever see um, Not Another Teen Movie? I just and, watched that recently, yeah. It is an amazing film. <laughs> I may actually have seen this. With Captain America as like the high school quarterback. Yeah, he was like the only person to ever do anything, I think, in that cast. And the other guy who's on NCIS, uh, Los Angeles. Or well, the girl who said what you're about to recount yes. is the girl from Mean Girls. She's Gretchen Wiener, whose father invented the toaster strudel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, there's the girl who she's clearly modeled on Jennifer Love Hewitt, and she's all that. If you've not seen Not uh, Another it's Teen in Movie. Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry, Can't Hardly Wait. Not Another Teen Movie is a spoof from like, I don't know, I was in high school when it came out. It's like 2002 or 2003. Of all of the, the last five or six years of stupid high school movies that had come out. So anyway, there's the, like, the most beautiful girl in the school, and that's the one from Can't Hardly Wait that Ethan Embry was like, fascinated over and, and wrote her a letter. And that Can't Hardly Wait's actually a great movie that holds up if you are into high school you know, yeah, stupid it movies. Is, it is quite good. And so uh, there's a character who's obsessed with her in Not Another Teen Movie. And at the end of the movie, he's like, he gives her the same stupid speech, like, oh, I love you. I'm, you're the most beautiful thing. I'm, and she's like, oh, do you think I just do every guy that says that to me? Like every guy just says he loves me, and he's like ashamed and dejected. I give them hand jobs, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right." <laughs> and I remember seeing that when I was a high school student. I was like, "That would be awesome." <laughs> Please, where do I sign up? <laughs> but after Sakura does this to him, she says, "You know." It would be nice if I was your sister. Yeah. Because we forgot to mention that this whole time he, he left his father, but he is looking for on and off, not really actively seeking, but his mother and his adopted sister left when he was four. He never saw them again. He doesn't even know their names because father, his father burned all the pictures except one and like hasn't ever told, her, told him isn't her name. So he's like, oh, you might be my sister. He's like, oh, I'll jack you off. Like, it'd be cool if I was your sister. Like, not anymore. I would know if it was my sister. I remember how she used to jack me off. It was very different. And that just that line just goes by, and they're like, yep. you're Japanese. Every expect, single thing in this stuff. just goes by unnoticed and unreacted to. And then he, uh, they go to bed, and, and he leaves, and he goes back to the library to the, the dude he becomes friends with. I forgot his name. Now. Oshima. Osh- Oshima? Oshima? Oshima. And then uh, whatever, I don't know. And he's he's like the desk clerk, I guess. I don't really know what his job yeah, is. Yeah, he's like the he's like the front man, front of house caretaker. And um because this is like a special library, it's like a, some trust runs it, so it's like a stupid job for him, I guess. And and he's also a young dude. Um he's not much older than Kafka. And eventually Kafka's like, dude, I need a place to to hide 
to sleep or to sleep rather. And he's like, I know a place. It's totally not weird. I'm just going to drive two and a half hours up a mountain into that the woods. That doesn't happen yet. He lets him sleep in the back room. Does he sleep it in happens That's very close. Very yeah. yeah he, he, he doesn't sleep in the back, in the back does room. Does anything important happen in the back room? Well, he meant to sleep in the back room until the cops come and tell him we're looking for this kid because his father just got murked. And oh, yeah. we traced his call and he's like, all right, let's going to drive you to this house in the mountains because you definitely didn't kill your dad. I know you promised me. So, cool. Even though you woke up covered in blood and don't know what happened. It's like, yeah, that shit just happens here, man. Don't worry about it. It's just something happens. In Sh- what happens in Shikoku stays in <laughs> Shikoku. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so then eventually they go up to the mountains and he's like, stay in my cabin. And uh, it's totally cool, dude. And it's, there's no electricity and it's, no one can hear you scream. And don't go in the woods. You'll get lost and you'll die instantly. And so the first thing Kafka does is like go into the woods and wander around. Takes off, his, takes off all his clothes and then goes into the woods. Well, it's Japan. Yeah, it's, it's Japan. Nate. Well, it's, of course, fif- it's 15. <laughs> He's going to fuck every tree he sees. He's like, I'll show you some wood forest. <laughs> <laughs> then, then he wanders around and he, and he hangs there and he just reads another crazy detail that I don't think mattered. Uh, he reads like a biography of Adolf Eichmann. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, there's a couple pages about it. Like, w- do I need to pay attention to this? About the fucking <laughs> the architect of the Holocaust. <laughs> and about no. how he was just following orders and it was all just a like game to this is to Eichmann. He was all a game and he was just trying to plan it out the best he could, which is his job. This one I think actually does somewhat apply to the some of the themes of the book, because a big one of it is fate. And no matter what you do, yes. you can't get away from it. And another part of it is with the supernatural characters and everyone else here is that everyone's just playing a part and you've got to do what you like the, like Johnny Walker and later, uh, the chicken, chicken fried pimp is just going to be <laughs> like, I'm just doing my part. This is my role and this is what I have to do. It doesn't matter. Uh, there is no good or evil for me. It's just, this is what I'm doing because that's what I'm supposed to do. And so there's probably exactly why he's reading about Eichmann, who's just, who talked about it. I was like, well, uh, that was my job. I'm really good at organizing. And well, so the, I did uh, it. The banality of evil. Right? He's just, he just yeah. killed six million Jews through paperwork. Like, he just seemed, like they said, when he was questioning him, it was like, I don't know. I don't see what the big deal is. It's, I was doing my job. Get over it. He didn't, he didn't understand why he was being tried for crimes against humanity. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this down because it was hilarious He likes to run around in the rain Naked Because he's by himself for hours in all directions And then it's, uh, he goes back and says, Back inside the hut I draw off with a towel Sit down on the bed And look at my penis A light colored mm. Healthy Youthful penis <laughs> It's like I do <laughs> So many passage. lines like that <laughs> It's like, like Oh I look at my penis Just a little bit out of its foreskin still It's like Oh dude what <laughs> <laughs> He's always he's constantly talking about how he's like brushing his balls and cleaning his rock hard cock. It's like it's it's constant. It's so it's so weird. He's very into hygiene. You know? Yeah, yeah, you, you got to keep it clean. I mean, you you a lot of teenage mode, yeah. boys need to learn to be cleaner, especially with your foreskin, which is not a big deal in America because that didn't happen for us. Mostly, I don't know. I don't know if circumcision is a popular thing in Japan. I didn't, they didn't teach us that. We learned about like what to bring on a picnic in Japanese class. <laughs> and then a couple of days later, Oshima comes back and says, oh, "Okay, well, 
I'm going to, there's a spare room at the library that you can stay in. And also you can work there because I feel like helping you. Okay, great. And so he does. He like takes him, drives him back in his little Mazda all the way back to the, the place where the town, where the library was, which is Ta- Takamatsu, which is Takamatsu. the capital there you of uh, Takamatsu Prefecture. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. I should have known that. <laughs> Prefectures <laughs> Definitely. are like counties, basically. Yeah. Because I know the capital of all the counties in New York. Yeah. I know some. I don't think counties have a capital, actually. No, they don't. They just have like the biggest Walmart, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other random detail about Oshima, he's a hemophiliac. That comes up, and he's like, that's why I'm a librarian. And everyone's like, yeah, of course, obviously. And then... But the paper, paper cuts. cuts. So many. He's, a, he's, <laughs> he's, he's living on the he's edge in every danger. day. <laughs> he only reads rubber books. <laughs> like bath books for children. He's <laughs> <laughs> like foam. Uh, he, uh, he's obsessed with Schubert and Schubert's D major piano sonata, which I don't know that piece very well. Because uh, he is lacking a D major. <laughs> I really needed to have a major D. Uh, yeah, you find out that he is. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to get the terms wrong because I think they might have changed since two thousand and five. Because he's trans. He's a transgendered person. Yeah. Yes. So that means he's a f- born a female, right? He is biologically mm-hmm. female, but he right. presents as male. And but he's also gay. So I don't really. Know. Does that mean because he's into late women? Is that what that he's means? into dudes. No, he's into, he's into men. He is a gay man. Okay. He says, sure. I don't, oh, I don't use woman. my vagina. I just use anal sex. It's like, that's a lot of details for these people questioning you, Oshima. <laughs> 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 to these random strangers <laughs> that you just talked to. And one of them but like, really? is that important at any other point in the plot? I'm sure it is for a reason. He's not what you immediately think he is sort of thing. Is it something like that? Okay. I think it's a, l- a lot about, because uh, uh, another weird theme in this book that's probably makes more sense if you're Japanese, um, is the idea of the spirit and the body being separate things. Oh, right. Like, your spirit can travel and do other stuff. Especially, Oshima mentions this, because he, he mentions this in The Tale of Genji, which is, he, oh, yeah. he, this is kind of in the beginning, even the chapter just before Kafka, like, wakes up with the blood on him he mentions tale of genji where this some when you sleep your spirit can go out and do things for you if they could like you know do my laundry that would be that would be really useful <laughs> they never they uh, never do useful can things go i never never it's always <laughs> just like go and murder somebody or just go and haunt somebody you know that's, that's what always happens <laughs> can't you like clean my room i mean come on that would be so productive but uh so he mentions that multiple times Though most of the cultural references are Western in the book. Like, you've got the tale of Genji and the, the poet dude, the one about cats you mentioned. But so other sad. than that, almost everything that they talk about is Western literature, Western music, Western fried chicken, you know, stuff like that. Mm. So, well, I don't know if that's an issue. I don't think it's an issue of translation. I think no, it's globalization. Uh, Mur- no, Murakami is a uh, is well known as being way more of a Western influenced author, even though he is Japanese and does Japanese stuff. But he has a lot more. Like he ran a, before he uh, before he became a writer. He owned a jazz record store, or maybe a just KFC? records in general, like and a KFC. <laughs> he was a franchise KFC owner. 
and he ran a record store called like Jazz Cat or some shit like that. Uh, but he he's very much into Western shit, much more so than other Japanese authors. Hmm. You know, because it was like almost all Western stuff, and I couldn't help but wondering as I read it. I mean, I read it. I knew about all those things. You know, I know what Kentucky Fried Chicken is but and Johnny Walker, but do... Does that translate? How does my question is? Does that translate to a Japanese audience? Well, KFC, they have KFC there. Brands. Yeah, and J- Japan is very into whiskey. Like they just got into the whiskey game. They're mm-hmm. making their own stuff now, and they're Suntori, winning all these things. Suntori yeah, they win like that, yeah. the whiskey of the year contest all the time. But they would absolutely know who Johnny Walker is. That's like knowing who Ronald McDonald is. Would they know Beethoven? Would they know Oedipus? Well, would they know all the Greek myths and stuff like that? Because the Greek myths. I think they would know about as much as an average American would. I imagine if you are an educated person, you're going to, when you learn about literature, you're going to learn about these to some degree. Because if this was an American book, but did the reverse of just all American book, but almost every, all the cultural references were Japanese in it, I wouldn't know hardly any of them. Well, there's a, there's a big difference. It's not, it's not a, it's not really fair to compare those things. They're not interchangeable, you know, like the, Mm -hmm. The hegemony of a, of a Western culture throughout the world is obscene. Like, we know a handful, a smattering of things from Japan. We're like sumo wrestlers, haikus. Dragon Ball. And uh, jerking <laughs> off onto women's faces. And, like, vending machines where you buy panties. Like, you don't really know a whole lot about Japanese culture, but they know a shit ton about American culture just because that's what gets imported. You know, that's what gets sold all over. Because uh, Murakami was born in 49... Basically, when America was occupying and, quote-unquote, rebuilding Japan after destroying it. And so there was yes, a lot of American it. stuff, like, just as being, just being run by them for a little while. Although, also, from what I understand, even before World War II, Japan was actually pretty fascinated with America and American culture. And it was... the restoration they were. Yeah, and it was even just kind of, not an accident exactly, but... You, Japanese people knew a lot about America even before World War II and before they were occupied by America mm. after 1945. I, I think just we take it for granted that the we rest don't of have the world. to actually learn shit about other parts of the world living in America unless you want to. The rest of the world learns Which about we America. Don't. <laughs> like I remember this episode of um, this, this segment on The Daily Show like years and years ago when people were worried about Ahmadinejad. <laughs> And they the were Iran asking, guy? yeah, exactly. That's how long ago this was. President they were asking, Iran. like, random man on the street, who is the, what is he, prime minister? Was that his title? Or douchebag? Grand douchebag? Either president or prime minister, but. Whatever he was. Just, just name a guy from Iran. <laughs> like, the fact that we like, don't know is exactly telling, isn't it? But he, at least we know who he, we know the country. We're doing a little better than average. But he, he was, uh, you know, people would ask, like, who, who, he was in the news at the time. He, like, spoke at NYU. <laughs> he was on a, a very big public stage and you know asking people in new york city like i have no idea who that is never who iran never heard of it and then they asked you know i'm sure they selected this segment purposefully for for comedic effect but they asked like a random guy in a seemingly random guy in Iran, like who's the president of america and he's like i guess it was obama at the time or bush and he's like it's mr bush and they're like bush probably and they're like, well, who was it before that? And he's like, oh, that would be Mr. Clinton. And well, all right, well, what about before that? And he goes back to like Jimmy Carter. And <laughs> he can name all the American <laughs> presidents for like 30 years. And then they're like, all right, well, but you don't know him before Carter, huh? Like that was the joke. But I think that's, I think that's you know, just true in general. If like the rest of the world knows about American stuff, 
uh, particularly American cultural shit. Now, Schubert's mm-hmm. not American, but you know, West. It's part of the Western classical tradition, which is exported, which is like taught in conservatories all over the world. You know, you you could find uh for every you know one conservatory you have in America that teaches you how to play like the shamisen or some shit like that. There are like ten thousand around the world that are going to teach you how to play piano in the Chopin, Schubert, Mozart kind of world. So it, it's just it's just mm-hmm. like they're just like not they're not even the it's just like a weird I guess it's a weird unique thing about America like American culture is ubiquitous because it's the the best fucking <laughs> 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 like reality TV obviously it brought us and, toddlers and tiaras what else do you fucking need. Fucking honey boo boo, <laughs> but also this podcast. So you know, it's not all bad. Does it count as American? Because Nate is uh, technically from the colonial times when this was. Uh, he was not born Mar- a, a British subject, <laughs> <laughs> and not in Canada. Yes, <laughs> back to this book. I don't know where we were. So he's going. He's going to live in the back room and do some. You know, like open the library and wipe it down and close it. Like apparently, his library is like just dirty all the time because it needs to be wiped down at open and close every day, even though like eight people go there a week. So that's what he's going to be doing. And so he's, you know, sitting in the room. He's in, he sleep at night, and suddenly he wakes up in the middle of the night because this is the first of many. Uh, it's not exactly right, but I want to drink this beer. <laughs> uh, this is this is the first of his many oh dreams. <laughs> this is I oh, also dream this. from other half it is a double mm. dry hopped oat cream because he does a lot of creaming in his dreams <laughs> india pale ale 6.2 percent it's uh it's all right you know it's nothing crazy it's pretty nice is it it other is half you said other half yeah uh i don't know if i taste any oat cream in particular but oat itself doesn't it doesn't really have a noticeable flavor to me. I'm not a grain aficionado. Could also talk about the other half of reality that the characters get to. Ugh, yeah, they move the special rock. The special rock. <laughs> but I just wanted. To, I just saw this called O Dream. I was like, he has a, there's a lot of sex dreams in this book, and a lot of you know coming in your sleep. So <laughs> here you go, O Dream. Bet you didn't. Bet you didn't think that this would ever be linked to that in real life. Other half. Nate, you had a beer for this too. Uh, well, actually, you know, I will save it for a little bit later. Oh, or first plenty we'll of fuck so, dreams in this book. So, <laughs> first he has. So he it it's basically a dream, except maybe it wasn't because in the middle of the night in his room that's staying in the so first actually before this he learns some of the history of the director of the library whose name is Miss Psyche Psyche something like that, and she's kind of like middle aged, but. Back when but she still was hot. young, but still, but still quite attractive. Yes, <laughs> it's very important. They say that a yep. lot. <laughs> they do quite a bit. Um, but anyway, when she was young, first they talk about she had this when she was a teenager. She had this relationship, but then she also was a had a hit song on the Japanese radio, Jap- hit single, and the and this and the song is called Kafka on the Shore. And then there's like one copy. There's like one copy of the the record that he plays, but but Oshima tells him tells him all the story about his boss, Misaki, and says, "Do not ever speak to her about this. She will become very sad." It's like, okay, great. Anyway, the 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 the, the lyrics of the song are like way 
way weirder and trippier than, you know, most pop music. And it mentions it has two very, two very interesting chords. Though they didn't say what the chords were, and I was really interested. I was hoping it was going to tell us. But it didn't. And the song is, like, very interesting. He listens to it over and over and over again. And it seems to almost be... It, it relates to Kafka in his life. And he's like, oh, that's very odd. Though I didn't highlight anything, so I couldn't really tell you the exact reasons. I'm like, huh, that's weird. That day, that night, or a couple nights later, he starts having these dreams where he sees this 15-year-old girl who's just, but like ghost-like, you know, just sitting at the desk in his room. And she's just kind of like sitting there with her head in her hands, but she's just like sitting there. She's so hot. And it's he, not creepy because like, he's 15 too. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, she's definitely 15. She's definitely my age. She's so beautiful. Uh, and then actually it's the next day he asks Oshima, well, what do you have any pictures of young Miss Psyche? And it's like, oh, yeah, it's definitely her. It is, it is definitely the thing that he's seeing in his dreams is, in fact, a young Miss Psyche. But this is, okay, giving away something later in the plot, but might as well just jump there anyway. Doesn't so matter. I have a beer for this. <laughs> this beer is called Twisted Thoughts, and it's by Threes Brewing. This is a double IPA with rice. That's rice, all like Japan. 8% alcohol, like Japan. Mm. Two connections. Um... Interesting. Definitely not a New England IPA. It actually tastes more malty or like pilsnery than I was expecting, but still a little bit. Maybe that's the rice. Bitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I have no Maybe idea. Maybe it I'm is. Just talking out of my ass. I, don't know. I mean, I, I think this is pretty fresh flavor. Rice is added to a lot of beers. Like I'm pretty sure Budweiser uses rice. Forty nine percent rice because it's cheaper. Yeah. So it's just a, sh- a source of sugar that's largely flavorless. Uh, you see it occasionally in beers. Like, I know uh, Fat Mango by Finback slash, uh, I think, Interbro is the collaborator on that. That uses sticky rice. I don't, I don't really think that gets you anything, except maybe it just changes the body of the beer a little bit. Yeah. Any rice so, in this book would be sticky. <laughs> like other things. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Not what I was expecting, but, you know, Three's Brewing doesn't go into the super juicy New England IPAs like other half or finback so i wasn't really expecting that they have had one i've had that was pretty goddamn good called a sfy but that i think that's the only one i've ever had of theirs mm-hmm. like that it, they seem to i mean maybe they do it a little bit but they just the threes they just decide nope we're not doing that we're gonna do an oak aged pilsner or we're gonna do a sort of more you could call it more traditional beer rather than the crazy ipa type of beers but I have a threes for later, too. We'll see how that goes. Twisted thoughts, because Kafka, not only is he really, really attracted to Miss Psyche, but he also starts to believe that she's his mother. He's really into milk. And, spoiler, (laughs) he's right. (laughs) Probably. Probably. Yeah, no. There is no sure answers in this ever. But probably no. like 95 There are no sure answers, did you say? <laughs> yeah. Kafka is not totally on the shore about that. <laughs> also, we should mention that his name isn't actually Kafka. It's his traveling name. Though he kept his last name, which is not a great idea if you're trying to stay hidden. <laughs> no, I'm not John Smith. I'm Joe Smith. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, you got me, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> 
So he's uh, he's getting to know his mommy. He is. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the other half of the chapters that we've mostly skipped, Nakata is like hitchhiking. Well, first he goes to the police. Like immediately after he thinks he stabs Johnny Walker, he goes to the police and he, he literally says, I just stabbed someone. I just, I just killed someone. And the police guy is like, what? And he's like talking about cats and there are like <laughs> fish raining from the sky, also in leeches, which was also pretty gross. And uh, you know, I just killed someone and he was, uh, he, I killed Johnny Walker who was trying to steal cat souls to make a flute. And the <laughs> officer is like, okay, crazy guy, go home, go home. Meanwhile, a day or two later, this famous sculptor in town, in Tokyo, is discovered dead. He's been stabbed with like a steak knife. It's like, hmm, that's weird. Maybe it's that crazy old guy. But anyway, the old guy has been a couple days head start of like hitchhiking. And he ends up through a series of hitchhiking misadventures down in southern Japan. And he's hitchhiking, well, and he's like driving for a while, who becomes a really close friend with this guy named Hoshino. Hoshino, who is a like pretty young, but he's like a professional driver. He was in the he was in the military, the Japanese military, as small as it is. And then he's just kind of like kind of a misfit, and he's just kind of like, "Hey, you're a cool old dude. Why don't boy well, you know hop in?" And then they like kind of become friends. And then this old dude is like, "Yeah, okay, I'll help you. You know, what? I'll take some time off of work. We'll just we'll just like drive down there. Oh, well, or we'll hitch the bus together. That's fine." Because Nakata cannot read. And so he, like, kind of can't find his way. Like, he couldn't even get bus tickets, nor does he have a ton of money. I mean, he has a little bit, but he doesn't have a ton of money. So anyway, they're, like... Catching cats don't pay what it used to. (laughs) Also, he doesn't know where he's going or what he's supposed to do. He just says, I'll figure it out when I get there. However good plan And now I have to go somewhere. And I'm looking for a stone. I'm looking for a... It's kind of white, and I kept just imagining a pearl in my mind. Like, is it a pearl? But I guess it wasn't. Um, I thought it was like a giant Mentos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the fresh maker. A giant Tic Tac. Yeah. <laughs> and then he accidentally sits on a bench that's been painting, so he has to roll on it so the rest of his suit has that pattern. <laughs> and that Mentos commercial? That commercial was on for like 15 years. And then when it started, like, this is old and from Eastern Europe. <laughs> it was like 10 years later, you'd still the see The Mentos it. commercials are very odd. They always yeah. had a weird, like, almost like surrealistic joke quality to them that I still don't know if they were a joke or not. Might fit in Kafka on the Shore. Yeah. <laughs> and so they finally, like, get to sort of southern Japan and... Nakata, I forget exactly why, but he's like, you know what? I need to go to sleep. And then sleeps for 30 hours. And Oshino is just like, I'm really bored. So I'm just going to like go walk around for a while. And then this random dude is like, hey, you, you, you want, you want a girl tonight? And he's like, uh, uh, what? Hi, nice to meet you. My name is Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> and he's literally dressed as the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy. But he is a small Japanese man. <laughs> but he's like, yes, my name is Colonel Sanders. <laughs> anyway, Mike, continue. I do a beer. You're well, connected it's a, for, to your beer. One of the dumber connections I've made. He goes to sleep, and he... Normally, when you go to sleep, you wake up the next day or tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> 
pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. Which is weird. We should we should uh I just really wanted to drink this beer because it's not very good. <laughs> I mean I don't love it. It's fine. I just uh I have so many beers in there. Like I think I'd find a second beer for today. Who, who makes it? So this is a new brewery, I think, for us. Or newish. This is from Equilibrium. We've had uh we've they, no, they've, they've had done a collaborations. Few. We've had a few, yeah. Well, this so they are in uh, Middletown, New York. It's about an hour and a half north of New York City, and uh, they deliver. So I ordered. I I was we were going on a weekend trip, and we were going to pass close to there. And then everyone was like, "We don't really want to drive an extra forty minutes for beer," and like threw a tantrum. And then my <laughs> wife was like, "See if they just deliver." I was like, "Oh." Fucking smart idea. And then I just ordered all of their beers. I can't imagine you throwing a fucking tantrum. I was like pouted. <laughs> Beer um, tantrum. I was like, I'm thirsty. <laughs> so yeah, this is tomorrow. It's a next day pale ale. And it's 4% alcohol. So I don't expect anything. And I've had it before, so I know. Maybe it's called that so because you don't get hung over tomorrow after drinking a bunch of them. That makes sense. It's really dry. And very, very, uh, really, really dry. So it gives it more of a bitter, bitter taste than perhaps the hopping alone would have accomplished. It's fine. It's a session pale ale, you know. So you could pound a shit ton of these. If you're hot and sweaty, it'll help you pretend you're hydrated. Equilibrium also makes some like triple IPAs that I bought. So I'm going to find a use for those one day too, because they're pretty, pretty banging brewery, and they do a lot of stuff with uh, Evil Twins. So you see a lot of collaborations there. Yeah, that's it. We've seen a few. We've, I think this is the first solo Equilibrium one we've had, but we've definitely had collaborations of theirs. I have several more. Just just find the right book. Oh, well, we will. Great. So then he wakes up eventually. Oh, there's Colonel Sanders. Like, so when he, Colonel you. Sanders is like, a you girl. know, let me find you a girl for tonight. And he's like, uh, uh, okay. And then Colonel Sanders takes out his phone, calls somebody, and then they walk through the back streets and is like, yeah, okay. So just go over here. And they like, Wade and they go to a hotel room. They're hanging anyway, out at so a shrine. Anyway, this, at a shrine. Anyway, and then a girl shows up who's like really, really hot. And he's like, okay, take her to this love hotel. So they do. Which is a real thing in Japan. Yep. So they do. And then they, and then they have sex three times, which, uh, but, but meanwhile, but they're also like talking about philosophy. She's well, a philosophy student. Because she's a <laughs> philosophy student. And they're like, yeah. Which which were the Hegel? She talked about talking Hegel about? and the nature of you know the concept of self versus the object of something like that, and a whole bunch of other shit. And I was like, I don't understand what the fuck anyone is talking about here. But he's like, <laughs> no, keep talking about it because otherwise I come too fast. Yep, I took a class in college on we had to read Hegel's like was like the phenomenology of something or other. I didn't come once, so <laughs> it's a very not a single. We we also read some, you know, Nietzsche. I don't know about the coming there, but <laughs> Hegel definitely no. It's like coming. thinking about baseball. <laughs> well, she's she's talking about like you have to keep talking about that stuff because otherwise I'm going to just continually ejaculate. It's like, well, you know, you gotta. St- you're talking about like present. She, I wrote this down because it's like it was ridiculous. The pure present is an ungraspable advance of the past devouring the future. In truth, all sensation is already memory. So don't come. Because it's not, you know, it's not happening right now. I was like, oh, Jesus. Anyway, after he's done, he... Three times. Three times. And then he, like, leaves. And then Colonel Sanders is like, all right, now I need you to do something for me. But it's actually not. It's like, you need to go 
get the entrance stone. It's over in this shrine. It's like, what? Because Nakata had talked about he needed to find the stone. So, and Oshino, who's, you know, because Nakata's still asleep in like, you know, hour 18, he's like, okay, I'll go do it. But first he's, but it's also like, how is it you can do this? And, and Colonel Sanders is like, yes, I'm really Colonel Sanders, except no, I'm not really a person. I only know like nine of the herbs and spices. <laughs> Would you say he's a temporary <laughs> identity? Oh, shit. Yeah, I guess you could. I guess you could say that. <laughs> this is temporary identity from Threes. It's a mosaic India pale ale. 6.8%. Almost so close. Kind of nice. It is kind of nice. It's pretty light. Uh, it's I, probably closer to a New England Pale Ale than one you had for certain, but it's not bitter. It's just kind of nice and light and carefree and like a nice hot day drink for sure. It's mosaic, so what? That one's like a pretty standard one for a while there. Tastes like a tastes like a nice easygoing IPA, but not bitter. So that's good. Cool. Much like Colonel Sanders, the prostitute, the pimp. I wrote this one down because he was explaining it. He said, uh, this time, he, he says, I'm not really Colonel Sanders. I just took this form. I am, I'm an abstract concept. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And that doesn't <laughs> really explain what he means by that, but just says, I'm an abstract concept. This time, I decided to take on a familiar shape, that of a famous capitalist icon. I was toying with the idea of Mickey Mouse, but Disney's particular about the rights to their characters. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's very, <laughs> there's a lot of really weird self-awareness in this book. I'm not beyond good and evil exactly. They just don't matter to me. I have no idea what's good or what's evil. I'm a very pragmatic being, a neutral object, as it were, and all I care about is consummating the function I've been given to perform. As explained, I don't have any form. I'm a metaphysical, conceptual object. I can take on any form, but I lack substance. So he can't actually touch the stone, but he's going to get Hoshino to do it. And as a way of saying thanks, he got a hot lady to bang him a whole bunch. Good deal. So, then Oshino shows back up at, you know, the little hotel room he's sharing with Nakata. And he's like, look, I got it. He's finally, and then he finally wakes up. It's like, look, see? It's like, oh, that's the entrance stone. Okay, now what do we do with it? I don't know. (laughs) And then they still end up just wandering around. And then they say, oh, we've got to find the right place. We've got to find the place that it opens. And then they basically drive in circles for days until they find... The library, the special library where Kafka is staying, except they never actually meet. Well, he's currently in the mountain hut when they come by. So, right. Meanwhile, Kafka is like, uh, talks to Oshino, like, what about her past? And then he's starting to think she's his, Masaiki, yep, she's his mother, and then he talks to her, and and he says, talks to her, and then says, I need to ask you something. It's very personal. But then it's like, are you my, like, do you have any children? And she says, I can't answer that. Really? What? Uh, <laughs> you can't answer any questions And then Kafka talks to Oshima for a while, and they have this long conversation about Oedipus and about how Kafka's father told him that Kafka would fuck his mother and his sister. Right? One-up Oedipus. Yeah. Or, yeah that's or, been done before. A, or a double Oedipus, is what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, and, it was like, uh, and then 
there's stuff about Greek myths and there's stuff about fate in that section. And it's like, oh, okay. And for somehow this father who's like not in the story basically at all, it's just this one thing like you, that when Kafka was younger told him, oh, no, yeah, you're going to fuck your mother and your, and your sister. Meanwhile, so, he, so Kafka talks to Miss Psyche and asks, do you have any children? And she says, I don't, I can't answer that. Meanwhile, he's been having these visions of the young Miss Psyche every night. And it's like, she's so beautiful. Meanwhile, first, and you don't know if this is a dream or not, but uh, Miss Psyche like shows up in the evening at Kafka's room and they fuck. And then the next day, but she's like in a sleepwalking. It's like, she doesn't know, but they... Kafka's like, all right, okay, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> and then the next if day, I have to. <laughs> she basically shows up again, but this time she's awake. <laughs> she's definitely like, no, it's, it's definitely her. She's not sleepwalking this time. And then they, and they have sex again. And then later... So Oshima comes into Kafka's room and he's like, hey, the cops are here. Someone killed your dad. And he's like, oh, that sucks. No, but they don't talk to him. No, yeah. He, Oshima, talk to Oshima, Oshima talks to Kafka and says, someone killed your dad. So, so, so you've got to get out of town. So that's when he takes him to the mountain place where he jacks off. And while he's gone, that's when Nakata and Hoshino, all these names are hard, uh, come to the library to figure out what the fuck is up. And that's where they take the tour and meet Miss Seiki. Who gives the tour every Tuesday. And then... At the end of the tour, Nakata goes up to Misaki's office, and then they talk. And basically, somehow they talk about. She says something like, "Oh, well, I um, I made such a mistake long ago, and then I somehow opened a portal into another dimension, and just like throws it like one line, just like throws it away." She's like, "Oh, but Nakata, could you take this journal that I've been writing?" That's been a thing because she's always writing with this like uh, fountain pen. It's like you just take this. Could you take it and burn it? So then they do. So then they grab it, they burn it, and then Oshima goes up an hour later, and she's dead. She's just like head down on the desk. She had returned to this city after disappearing for twenty five years because when she was young, she had this hot young thing of a boyfriend, and he left town to go to college. And he died in the student protests, which were a thing in Japan, which I looked up briefly, and I still don't really understand what they were about. But, you know, it was a big protest. And some people beat him to death because they thought he was someone else. Uh, And so she kind of just shut down after that and left. And she just reappeared. And she's basically just been, as she said to Nakata and to Kafka, she's hinting at people, she's just kind of waiting to die. She doesn't, you know, she's not trying to kill herself, but she's just like, ah, mm-hmm. I've checked out. I'm waiting to die until I have to do what I got to do. And then so she does die. So anyway, she does. She's like, just is dead of like a heart attack. At first I thought it was suicide, but then I guess it wasn't. But, ah, uh, and then she's like dead. And then next, and then Nakata a chapter. Died, then, right? Yeah. And then Nakata is like, well, my time, my mission is done. No, he doesn't say everything is done, but he does say like, oh, well, we f- took the entrance stone to where it needs to go when we burned the journal, but I'm really tired. Well, I, just, I need to, he goes sleep to sleep again. the first time, that the time though, he Hoshino opens the entrance stone by turning it over. It's so to, you know, something like that. Because because when he has to close it, Nakata's already dead. 
Gotcha. So at some point, he opens it, and it's a very heavy, heavy thing, and he flips it over, and he's like, oh, something is different now, but it's, you know, Mm -hmm. magic, so you don't really know. And then Nakata is like, I just need to, I need to take another one of my long naps. So he does, but this time he dies. (laughs) But then... Hoshino knows that he's, his job is now to close the entrance dome, but he doesn't know when. Mm-hmm. But Colonel Sanders, the magic pimp, calls him and says, like, you got to do this stuff. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do. He's like, you'll know when to do. But once, you know, you'll know what's going to happen. But when something shows up, you got to kill it. It's like, kill what? It's like, you'll know when you see it. It's like, how do I kill it? I was like, yeah, you'll figure it out. I was like, it's, yeah, okay, we'll figure that out when the time comes. So we're just hanging out in a hotel room with a dead body and a magic rock. Uh, but then eventually sees some, like, weird serpent eel thing like come like giant thing like come out of uh nakata's mouth i mean he's dead but he's like just like this thing so oshino just like takes his knife and just like stabs it a bunch of times but it doesn't work and there you go he wins no it doesn't work he has to crush it with the stone oh yes meanwhile kafka has been driven back to the woods back to the the weird forest thing and he decides to go out in the forest, even though he's been told, like, don't go out in the forest. You'll die out here because even some Japanese soldiers got lost here and died in, you know, 1944, just on practice maneuvers or whatever it is. So he does it anyway. And then he meets the soldiers, meets these two, like, clearly, like, World War II Japanese soldiers dudes who are just like, yeah, we've just been sitting here over here for a while. It's been great. You should join us but also in a, like, dream-like sequence, himself, as a crow, attacks Johnny Walker so that he can't make his giant cat flute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes. Mad Libs. <laughs> yes, it is. So he attacks Johnny Walker and, like, the, 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 and kills him, I guess. Rips out his eyes. Rips out his eyes, and then Johnny Walker is dead. And then Kafka is, like, in this, like, magical, like, dream sequence. Spirit town. At this house in a spirit town that's, like, empty, except his, the 15-year-old version of his mother is there. and just, like, makes him a nice meal. And then they have this sort of, like, heart-to-heart conversation where she says, I'm so sorry I left. It was such a mistake. I was already hurting so much, but, and I thought I just had to, like, end it but instead it was wrong it was worse i'm really sorry son and then she cuts her arms and lets him drink her blood oh yeah yeah she he drinks her blood after she stabs herself in the arm it's uh, rude not to yeah <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I, yeah she would do it for nothing so so then he uh wanders back he finds the soldiers and they're like you want to go he's like yeah let's go he's like you sure you can't come back if you leave he's like yeah i'm good it's like, all right, we got to go. The entrance is still open because in the alternative chapters, Hoshino hasn't flipped it over yet. Once he flips it, it's closed. And they're stuck forever. She's like, all right, let's go. And in another Greek myth shit, they're like, we got to go, but you can never look back. Otherwise, I don't know. Then your mother ghost is not, I don't know. They don't really say. Not like they hint Lot at, you know. and his wife. Lot and his <laughs> yeah, wife and what testament. was it? Or Orf- Orpheus? Oh, Orpheus, yeah, he couldn't look back at his... his make sure, that he make sure his uh, wife is U- with him. Is Eurydice or something like that is her name? Eurydice? Yeah, something like... Yeah, or yeah, Eurydice. Eurydice is the very the Italian, Italian one. one. Yeah. <laughs> she slips on the way up because of her greasy feet. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets up and he gets out of the uh, 
spirit world, and Hoshino flips it over, and then it's sealed off. And then Oshima comes to pick him up, and he's like, come on, let's go home. By the way, that lady's dead. And he's like, that sucks, but I kind of knew that. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry I've been dosing you with acid this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Dear reader. And then, yeah. and then uh, he's like, uh, well, I guess I got to go. You want to stay here and work at the library? It's like, no, I need to, I need to do what I got to do. And he leaves, and that's the end of the book. And then you realize, I don't know what the fuck just happened to me for <laughs> 12 hours of reading this book. Yeah. Well, he, isn't 800 he, pages. He talks to Sakura one last time, and he calls her sister. Yeah. And she's like, sweet. Oh, we skipped the part where he raped her in his dream. Yeah. That doesn't the count in your dream, dude. Well, he, he keeps saying, you shouldn't do this, even though it's just a dream. It's like, he okay, you're raping me, that. though. I was like, yep, I'm good with that. <laughs> When she was giving him a hand job, he asked for permission to fantasize about her in real life. You know, and she was jerking him off. He's like, is it cool if I picture you naked? And she's like, I don't really give a shit what you picture. <laughs> so it's kind of a, quite a, quite a shift has taken place where you can't, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a meaning behind it, but fuck if I know what it is. <laughs> right. So that's, I guess, what we ultimately have to figure out here, right? <laughs> or... or, or Theorize? Is there a meaning here? I, sure, I read is. a. He has a. He has a, a, a website, and his, the author Haruki Murakami has an English language website. And he said that he got submissions. He's like, I'm taking questions on the book, and he said I got eight thousand submissions, and I answered about twelve hundred of them. And he said basically, you know, the book, you know, it makes more sense if you read it a few times, which. I have I've read it twice now, and I'm not sure that that's true. Or maybe you read a bunch <laughs> of stuff about it, and then you kind of just let you kind of everyone kind of gets something else from it, or like they have different interpretations because it could mean a million things, and there's definitely like themes in it that everyone can kind of get. But he said the book poses a series of riddles, but does not give any answers, and sometimes the answers are partly the other riddles. And she's like, that's about as cryptic as the rest of this book, but. Sure, yeah. It's not super helpful. <laughs> no, it's not super helpful. <laughs> I think primarily it's about f- fate. And just, you know, everyone is kind of an instrument of fate. Like, oh, I'm doing this because this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my purpose. And, like, there's a bunch of independent... There's, like, not monsters, but, like, spirit creatures that their job is just to provide for the action to happen. Like, they, he compares them basically, like, to Chekhov's gun. He said, uh, Chekhov put it best when he said, if a pistol appears in a story, eventually it's got to be fired. Do you know what he means? What Chekhov was getting at is this. Necessity is an independent concept. It has a different structure from logic, morals, or meaning. Its function lies entirely in the role it plays. What doesn't play a role shouldn't exist. What necessity requires does need to exist. That's what's called dramaturgy. So it's like these... It's like basically like seeing behind the scenes of a of a story like these ha- things happen because this is what needs to happen for the story to happen. They did it for the story. Yeah. Is that what, for is that the story. That's, it's a very apt beer for this because most of these things are just like, this is what happens because this is what's supposed to happen is what needs to happen for this. Yeah. Colonel Sanders as an abstract concept needs to be come to life in the world and is a pimp. Yeah. I mean, for the story, yeah, yeah, for that, for the for the purposes of this, that is exactly what needed to happen, I guess. Okay, I don't really know what that means. It's like if we read Oedipus Rex now, 
I, I don't remember the exact plot. I mean, I know the gist of it or the jism of it. Uh, <laughs> but basically, he receives a prophecy or something, right? The king receives a prophecy, so he sends a son. No, okay. So what yeah, happens explain is it to me I don't his remember. father receives a prophecy that says, your son will kill you. So his and father, this is against an infant, right? And so the So the father... Says like, oh well, I can't let that happen. So he literally leaves his newborn child out in the woods. It's like I'm just gonna let that kid die. He actually he doesn't do it himself though because he's a king. Oh wait, he has he his, gets like, someone servant. do it for him, and then depending on the yeah. version of the story, either for, he has somebody kill him. Well, but yeah, he but that but it's they they leave him on a hill. They expose him, right? They're gonna leave him to be either die from the elements or eaten by an animal, and then a shepherd finds him and raises him as his own son. In a different city. So, you know, just in case he was a very inquisitive king, he would never be like, hey, where'd you get that kid? He just raised him elsewhere. And then, uh, and he's an Oedipus means lame foot because they like tied his foot down with like a pin or depending, you know, rope or something, fucked up his baby foot. <laughs> and then as an adult, Oedipus is traveling on a road and the some other douchebag in a chariot is coming down and they get into an altercation and he kills the dude. Of course, that's his father. And then he goes into that, city where he was from, which I forget which city, is it Ithaca? I forget which Sparta. Greek city they're from. And there he, they're like, oh, there's fucking Sphinx is pissing us off and fucking our shit up and he solves the riddle of the Sphinx so then he becomes the king and then he marries the widow and that's his mom. Boom! Prophecy fulfilled. And of course he only finds this out much later when they're like there's a terrible plague or something happening to the, to the city or a blight or something. And then the Oracle's like, yeah, it's because you did all these things, dude. Nice job. But the point is, the point of the, and the Greek story is like... And then he, like, blinds like the, himself. He, like, stabs he cuts his eyes out the eye. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I've seen my mom's titties way too much. <laughs> but he... The point of the story and the myth is, is like, the more you try to outrun destiny, the more you just run into it. Right? Like, you yeah. can't escape fate. Which is basically what this is, except in this one, the fate itself is actual side characters who are literally just helping it along but you see them as opposed to in the greek one where it just kind of happens with magic behind the scenes there is no magic behind the scenes in this it's just all happening because it's, it's haruki murakami is a big magical realism guy where it's just like you just roll with it whatever happens happens it's usually it's just fucking weird but everyone just kind of goes with it except one book norwegian wood doesn't have any magic in it it just has a lot of graphic sex uh much like this one but just out of nowhere but He's kind of known for being a weirdo and very confusing and very, you know, people get what it from. There's a million interpretations of this book. Everyone kind of gets what they want from it. I read one thing that was like, they believe that at the end when he's in the forest, Kafka kills himself because that's when he's walking with the soldiers. The soldiers are like, you know, when you, when you uh, cut your wrist, you really got to dig deep. And they're like, why the fuck are they talking about this? Because... Apparently, he's killed himself his wife in the spirit world, and then when she makes him drink her blood like a good mommy, he gets his blood back, and he's alive again, because he didn't do it right. I was like, I guess it's, it's simple. It certainly could be possible, because so many things in this could be possible, and none of it could be possible. I don't fucking know. Okay. <laughs> so, I, so, this is the first time I read it. I, I liked it. I was, I was interested all the way through. I was interested about finding out what was going to happen next. And even though it was so weird <laughs> and so strange, I was just like, I, I knew it was strange going into it. I didn't know how strange, but it's just like, oh yeah, this is going to be weird. 
Uh, and it was like, this is, but I, I was definitely interested in it. And so I enjoyed reading it. However, the thing that bothered me, because the one of the things, one of the things that keeps me interested is finding out like, why did that happen? Like, why is this happening? Why is that happening? And hoping it, that there'll be an explanation. And in this book, there isn't one. For a lot of things that happen, even though there's closure with the characters explaining why stuff happened, there's just not there. Like, why, right in the beginning, right in chapter two, why, what was the reason for the weird thing that made all the kids fall asleep and then made Nakata lose his, you know, mind and not be able to read? Like, what was that thing? There is a very, very uh, relatable part to that. When he's reading the books in the library at the beginning, mm-hmm. he's talking about books with Oshima. And they talk about books by Kafka. And he said uh, his, his favorite book is um, The Penal Colony, which I've never read, but they talk about it a little. And he said, that's a fa- my favorite of his short stories. No kidding, I nod. Why is that? It takes me a while to gather my thoughts. I think what Kafka does is give a purely mechanical explanation of that complex machine in the story as a sort of substitute for explaining the situation we're in. What I mean is, that's his own device for explaining the kind of lives we lead. Not by talking about the situation, but by talking about the details of the machine. So it was like, instead of explaining anything, you just just be matter-of-fact, telling as much detail about weird shit that's going on, and maybe you don't get it, but that's the best you can explain it, because some things are just fucking unexplainable. So, I mean, I figured they, they read that story for a very explicit purpose, and he wouldn't have given that explanation if it didn't mean something, because this book is wildly self-aware, at least from what I read. No, I mean, there's, it's, it's, there's like, it's not just like breaking the fourth wall. It's like, it's like, it's almost interact. It's like interactive with the reader, you know, like the amount of times it's, it's, it's speaking directly to you about what's happening. Yeah. No, rather than explaining what's happening, it's just explaining literature theory. I like the book. I don't know what happened. I don't know if I'll read it three more times in order to get it. <laughs> I thought it was just fucking weird. Uh, I hear what you're saying about fate and for the point of the story and all that. Sure, maybe? I think that's maybe you know I think that's a part of it, but I don't think that that explains the book. It's got a million things going on that I'll never get, and everyone will have their own thing. I f- I fucking don't know. I liked it a lot. I love this book, but I couldn't I tell fun. you what I couldn't tell you what most of it is about or means anyway. I thought one thing that was interesting about it for me. I've, and have you ever read any other? I mean, you've read other Murakami books. This is this is the second I read After Dark by him too, which was terrible. Um, oh yeah, but I I've read other books by other Japanese writers, and it's all in translation. And you get the impression, I, or I had the impression, I should say, from a lot of those other books that everything was so simple and in terms of the sentence structure. That's like that's very a de- very Murakami thing. It had very short sentences. But this was not as bad or as simple as a lot of other Japanese writers I've read, where everything seems really simplistic, and you almost get the impression like they're not capable of writing complex sentences because you never encounter them in a lot of writers. Mm. It could be an issue of translation. It could be a style thing. I don't know. I'm not an expert on Japanese literature. I don't either, but I've, I've read that, that people talking about him as a writer talk about how like his sentences in particular are like known for being very short and simple and matter of fact and very straightforward. It's to the point where like younger readers, like not, you know, like high schoolers could handle at least the like text complexity 
of this book. Now, can anyone handle the fucking weirdest weirdness <laughs> of the plot? I don't know. That might be possible for anyone, but like it is the kind of thing where younger people, people who are not super confident readers, they could at least understand the words. Sure. That's about all you can understand. <laughs> yeah, you can understand the words. But what the what is the what's the meaning? Yeah, it's very difficult. I I don't know. It's fine. Who should read it? That's a hard question. I think uh, anyone who likes weird stuff. Yeah. Perfect. If you're if you're into magical realism, this is definitely something that you would enjoy. And uh, magical realism is is definitely like part of it, but it was kind of just described as fantasy. It was just kind of like it was the, when I was like looking at it or I was trying to find the book. It was like oh, it's fantasy. It's yeah. like well, is it? I mean, it's definitely not science fiction, and it's definitely not uh, historical fiction. Or it's definitely not any of these. So I guess fantasy would be more the thing. But I mean, fantasy has connotations of like. Yeah, Lord of King the Rings Arthur. and elves and Lord of the Rings. That like Game I, of I saw some. Just, I would try to look up stuff about this book to you know get any further understanding of it, and I did not achieve much more. But one of them was like, is this you know described as maybe fantasy? Fantasy, like their version of magic is like wizards and cast a spell. Yeah, magic is used to like solve problems in the plot, whereas magical realism, magic is just a part of things, which is necess- maybe not, might not solve anything it might make, generally make things more complex and just be part of the story. It's not, it's not a plot device for like stuff. It's just some, it's some weird shit that happens. And it's, I, I guess technically it's fantasy, but in a, in the popular vernacular, well, a lot of weird shit not, happens yeah. that is definitely not, you know, realistic. It's definitely yeah. not like reality. I just like, if you say, if it's like, Oh, it's a fantasy book, people are going to think there's a dragon in it or a dwarf. But I don't know. It's just fucking weird. I think one problem that can happen with a book where anything can happen, where things don't have to make sense, is that you lose that the stakes for the plot for the characters, you get that can sometimes get lost because like, well, if any weird thing can happen, then there's no like it, it doesn't seem like everything is so much of a problem. It doesn't seem like there's a big barrier to overcome because, you know, anything could just happen at any time. But I did not get that from this book. I was definitely interested all the way through. Like, what, what is going to happen next? Yeah, and you you couldn't possibly guess, <laughs> despite the, you couldn't possibly guess, and despite it being so strange and most things not being not being explained, I was still into it. I agree. I, I it was not uh, a chore to read like a lot of heady, super you know literary books are. It wasn't like, Kafka on the chore. Oh, Ooh. yes. It didn't feel like I was in the penal colony. <laughs> Though there was plenty of peen in this book. There was a lot of peen. Quite a bit. A lot of child um, peen. <laughs> and Nakata, when he's like, I'm going to go take a dump. Is Dude, that okay? I love <laughs> taking dumps. It's like, I got to go take a big, healthy dump. Who doesn't like taking a dump? Looking like George or Lenny. I can't remember which one, he's, which one he is. Uh, George is the dumb one, right? He's probably like George, but with poops. <laughs> and then can we take the poops? And then the take a big dump. And then when he fixes Hoshino's spine by giving him poops. a massage, he's like, now you can take a much better, healthy dump. <laughs> so there's some takeaway lessons there, I guess, about healthy dumps or something. Uh, well, you know, let, you got to let nature take its course. <laughs> Nakata is a vessel 
for making dumps happen, spiritual or physical. And Nakata was in all the even number chapters, which are divisible by number two. No, oh, because <laughs> he is an empty vessel to be filled when he's two it's people. To be further and emptied. emptied. <laughs> it's a vessel to be emptied. <laughs> filled and emptied with eel, his favorite. <laughs> yeah, he ate a lot of eel. And the cats are like, I also that like must eel. lead to poop. Pretty much every food he said, like, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> it's like, you just love food, dude. It's, it's okay. And M-O-O-N, that spells eel. <laughs> uh, all right, so the answer to who should read it is who the fuck knows? Is that really... It's like if you're into weird shit, it's the, the same as the question who of knows? what is this about? <laughs> it's not an... It's not a... Um, it's not difficult to read. It's not unpleasant to read. But if you're looking for something that's going to be a neat package, then this is not the right book. Though if you're looking for a book with a lot of descriptions of packages... This is the right book. <laughs> I have no other things to say about this book. It's something you just gotta you gotta take it you gotta take it all in yourself, much like Kafka's mom. All right. All right, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkeyesbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkeyesbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Eyes Book Club. And if you've listened this long, please just uh, leave us a review wherever you are and just round up to five stars. Once for each time they mention a young boy's penis in the book or taking a healthy dump. And that will uh, help. A thousand stars. (laughs) And if you uh, have a little extra money lying around, you could give it to us because we will use it on beer and reading more books, which is what we do because we are merely at the hands of fate and our fate is to drink and read. And there's nothing we can do about it. But hopefully we don't have to fuck our mothers. And our fate is also to check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening.